Friday, April 16th, I'd like to call it a Friday, but it's really not. Sources say that the new COVID modeling that we're expecting out today will show that we could see 18,000 COVID cases per day by the end of May if we continue as is and 1,800 patients in intensive care. So right now the province uh, is weighing all the options. They've got measures under consideration. We heard about that cabinet meeting that was going on yesterday and at 2.30 today, we'll hear from the Premier. Of course, we will carry that live here on 640 Toronto. Uh, there may be limits on construction just to critical infrastructure projects, further restrictions on retail, limits on non-essential manufacturing and warehousing, even a curfew is on the table. Nothing is off the table, as Doug Ford likes to say. Nothing is off the table. But when we hear about the modeling, and by the end of May, if there is no change, we could see up to 1,800 patients in intensive care. That is worrying, to say the least. To get some perspective on what that could look like and what it looks like now, Dr. Michael Warner, head of critical care at the Michael Guerin Hospital, joins us. Uh, I always feel guilty, doctor, when I have you on, because I know you have more important things to do, but I think the message needs to get out, so I thank you for your time. Thanks for having me, Kelly. Let's start off with Sylvia Jones, our Solicitor General. She said this yesterday. I can only imagine how frustrating it must be for a doctor or a nurse working in our hospital system, seeing those photos of people thumbing their nose at COVID-19. COVID-19 is serious and it's deadly. And we've got to get over this. It's not about me. It's about all of us. I think most of us would use the expression, I can only imagine. You know what it's like. Tell us. Well, I mean, I, I should take exception with what the Solicitor General said because she's also said on radio that they wanted to see whether the modeling would manifest itself in ICU before implementing the stay-at-home order. I mean, that's ridiculous because here we are, 692 patients on Ontario's ICUs with COVID-19. The modeling will show that, you know, 1,000, 1,200, 1,400, 1,800, who knows what the number will be, but that's what we're in for. And uh, they were forewarned and they didn't actually implement the changes necessary to protect us. So instead of blaming the public, I actually blame the government because they have not that, done what's necessary. Do you take it personally? I think everybody should take it personally because it's our lives that are put at risk because of inaction. Um, I mean, this is not about me, but you know, I, I have the perspective of intubating essential workers over and over again. And that's the perspective I share, that I've shared with the Premier, that I've shared on mainstream media, that has not been acted on in any way, shape or form uh, to protect the people. So um, the government is wholly accountable for this. Yesterday, Dr. Barbara Yaffe um, basically had this to say about how dire a situation we're in. Unfortunately, our situation is dire. What is truly scary is that when I used those words before, our rates and our trends were nowhere near where we find ourselves today. Where do we find ourselves today? Can you look around and, and tell us what the landscape looks like? Well, I put this out on Twitter, and I know a lot of people follow me, but I said it in truth. This is a humanitarian crisis, and we're not watching CNN and looking at another country right now. Uh, we're not looking at L.A. County or, or Brazil or other places in the world that have been hard hit by this. We're looking at our province, our city. This is happening here, and no one's going to help us. I mean, we have to help ourselves. Uh, the U.S. has vaccinated their way out of, out of this. We cannot do that because we don't have the supply or appropriate distribution. Dr. Yaffe is right. This is really bad. And, uh, you know, that's why the most significant and severe restrictions will be required today. The government has put themselves in a corner where we're in a situation where kids are being harmed by not being in school. People have lost their businesses. Non-COVID-related care isn't happening. 
and people are still dying of COVID-19. So that's a pretty tough spot to be in. And the only way out of it is to lock things down harder, uh, which is terrible. I mean, it's, it's the worst instrument possible. It's all they have left. Dr. Warner, the measures under consideration are limiting construction to just critical infrastructure projects, further restrictions on retail, limiting non-essential manufacturing and warehousing, uh, additional restrictions on religious services, so no indoor weddings. There could be a curfew. Is there anything that you, out of that list, that you say, yes, absolutely, we need to see that today? Or are you saying, yeah, put them all on the table? I I don't think a curfew makes any sense because I don't think that goes after root cause. So I would take that off the table, but what I would put on the table, I'll just create my own list. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everything that isn't essential, so everything that doesn't requ- doesn't necessi- isn't required for putting food on our table, medicine in our cabinets, and uh, and healthcare for for people who are dying should be closed. And people who are in those industries should be paid not to work. Those who still have to go to work and have exposure risk need appropriate PP, paid sick leave, so they don't go to work sick. Rapid tests in those workplaces and real workplace protection. We need to, if we're getting 400,000 Pfizer's every week, as uh, one of the doctors in the task force has said, which is great, I want 200,000 Scarborough, I want 200,000 in Peel, and, and, and go from there. I mean, that, we need to bring the vaccines to where the hot spots are. And of course, religious services indoors have to be closed. I mean, it's ridiculous to have them open. And, and that's how we can stop the bleeding. So we're still putting a Band-Aid on an axe wound here. It's going to take a while to slow this train down. And in the meantime, we need to somehow get more person power to help us in the mm-hmm. hospital. That means trained nurses, perhaps from other jurisdictions that are less effective. Yeah, I hear they're reaching out. Ontario is reaching out to Alberta and Saskatchewan asking for uh, reinforcements in the in the way of frontline medical and healthcare workers. Uh, here's There's also something else on the table. I read that the uh, federal government has received a draft request from the Ontario government. We're not really sure who has sent that request because the Solicitor General said, no, nope, it wasn't me. Um, but uh, the Red Cross could be deployed if uh, needed and the Canadian Armed Forces could be uh, giving you assistance. Is that something that you think we should be really taking seriously and looking into? Would that uh, slow things down? Uh, well, the Minister of Health has said that she is, by the end of this week, adding 350 ICU beds to the province. I don't know where they are, but let's say that's actually happening. Based on standard staffing ratios, you need 1,100 ICU nurses to staff those beds, which we don't have today. I mean, I'm running our ICU of you know, 15 patients with seven ICU nurses instead of 14. So, I mean, this isn't fairy tale and unicorn mm-hmm. time. We, we actually need uh, truth from the government. And if we need help, let's get it here. Don't deny that you're asking for help if you really are. Just get the help here because if we don't have the help, um, we won't be able to care for people and people will die and we will have to triage people to palliative care who we would otherwise say. That is the reality in Ontario right now. Dr. Warner, uh, I just want to bring something up because I talk to a lot of listeners every day and some people still don't believe this is real. Some people still don't believe COVID-19 could affect them. I want you said something just there that I thought, oh, no, someone's going to grab that. They're going to hold on to that with all their might. And they're going to lean on that and say it's not that bad. You said you had 15 people in your ICU. Can you put perspective as because that doesn't seem like a big number for for a lot of people that are not educated in the field of medicine and and what ICU uh, needs to be reserved for. Can you tell us specifically talk to that listener and tell them about that, the the uh, how that number would affect their care if they get into a car accident or something other than COVID takes them down? 
Well, the normal nurse-to-patient ratio in an intensive care unit for a ventilated patient in Ontario is one-to-one. You have one nurse for every patient. And now our nursing ratio at the very best would be one-to-two. That means that nurse is now split, she or he is split between two patients for that 12-hour shift. Wearing full PPE, switching it every time they go in the room, they have to go in the room at least once, often multiple times an hour to take vital signs. Um, things get missed. We're improvising. You know, if you know, alarms aren't necessarily heard. Uh, and those people who are working, who've been working flat out for 13 months, despite what these, these people on social media who seem to know more about my ICU than I do say, um, people are completely burnt out. So you can say this isn't real, but tell that to the person who's about to intubate you and tell them that it's not real as we put the tube in your lungs. I'm sick and tired of these conspiracy theorists because they don't know anything about what's going on, okay? There's no vested interest in people like me telling the truth other than trying to protect people. So people who are actually saying this on social media are actually harming everybody. And publicly, we need to put peer pressure on them to stop because it's ridiculous. Yesterday, uh, we saw that fatal car accident and a couple of other people that were involved were rushed to hospital. Can you speak to the person right now that's in their car? Because it it happens like that. Anybody who's been in a car accident, especially at high speed, it just you don't have time to think or react in some cases. Um, How important are those ICU rooms to uh, accidents that occur on our roadways? Well, with, you know, we, as, you know, the COVID load is massive, but we have to maintain some things open. I mean, we, we can stop cancer surgeries, hip and knee replacements, cardi- you know, transplants. But if you get shot, stabbed or in a car accident, you know, either you're going to die in the street or someone's going to save you. But to save you, there needs to be space in the emergency department. There needs to be an operating room. There needs to be an ICU bed. Uh, I mean, that's the reality. I mean, we assume the healthcare system will be there because it always has been. But we're in a situation where it actually may not be. And until that affects you, most people don't care, but it could affect you or someone you care about. You know, Kelly, I can't speak to the people who don't care about other people, so I'm just going to set them aside. But if, if you're one of these conspiracy theorists who spends all day on Twitter trying to tell people that this isn't real, you're actually doing a lot of harm.